Okay, now I'd like to introduce our um, guest pastor this morning. He's um, Pastor Emeritus at First Church of Christ, and he was an interim here for about two years, and we are so thankful for him and Joyce for coming down and make penciling us in for a day, because I know he's real busy right now. So let's welcome Brother L.D. Campbell this morning to the pulpit. Well, good morning. Remember me? I used to preach here. Well, good morning, Bellevue Baptist Church. Thank you guys for the beautiful music. Now, you guys in the choir loft, somebody's going to have to keep Dale awake. It's going to be embarrassing if it's on. on there you go. Dave's going to keep him awake. All right. All right. Well, I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad that you are here. And if you are a guest of Bellevue, we are glad that you are here. Thank you for coming down. And uh, this, is a, this is a treat to get to come back. And uh, those of you who are joining us online, uh, we welcome you uh, as well. There is no greater privilege that any pastor can have than preaching on Easter Sunday morning and preaching the resurrection gospel. And uh, I thank you for the privilege of, of doing it again. Now, I've been here for three, this is my third Easter, and I taught you a tradition of the ancient church, and you probably remember it. The pastor would come out and say, Christ is risen, and the congregation would say with joy and gusto and enthusiasm, he is risen indeed. Remember that? All right, let's do it. I'll be the pastor again. <laughs> and you be the people. All right. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. One more time. Let's let Burlington Baptist hear us. <laughs> All right. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen and amen. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we pray to you this morning and worship you this morning because your resurrection brings to our dark world the glory of an eternal home. And above the crosses of sin, your deathless life shines through, bursting through the tombs of death and reflected in the beauty of springtime. And Lord, as you appeared to your disciples when their world seemed desolate, I pray today that you would encourage your people again with the sense of your eternal goodness, which rises anew after every evil has had its day. So Father, this morning I pray that you would roll away the stones of doubt and fear and death and anxiety and give us peace, the peace of knowing that you are alive. And Lord Jesus, show us that in your empty tomb, death becomes resurrection. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us anew the promise that one day we will be forever with those that we have loved and we have entrusted to your care beyond the grave. And we're looking forward to the day of resurrection when we get our loved ones back. And we owe that to you, Jesus. Now, I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. 
I pray that you would take these human words and use them to speak to us today and give us just the message of resurrection that you want us to hear because we pray to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Now Easter is a day of hope. When you have hope, you can look at everything differently. I like the story of the four ladies that were in a nursing home. They were playing cards, and this distinguished older gentleman walks in with his suitcases. And the first lady says, what are you doing? Well, I'm moving in. And the second lady said, well, where are you from? He said, well, ladies, to tell you the truth, for the last 20 years I've been in a federal prison. Whoa. The third lady said, what for? Well, for killing my wife. And the fourth lady looked up and said, so you're single. <laughs> so the point is, we look at everything differently when we have hope. Hope changes our perspective. We can cope with hope. And that is why the resurrection of Jesus and Easter weekend is so important to us. Three days, three days 2,000 years ago that have shaped the way that we live and interpret all of our days 2,000 years later. They asked Joseph of Arimathea, said, how come you let Jesus use your tomb? Joseph said, well, he only needed it for the weekend, you know. So I heard, a, I heard Easter sermon several years ago by Rick Actually, which is one of our preachers in Texas. And he had the most unique approach to Easter weekend that I had ever heard. It was just super. So I want to I share some of the things I learned from that. Because that one weekend changed the world. By the Friday that Jesus died, by the Saturday that he was buried, and by the Sunday that he came out of the tomb alive. Now, each of those three days has a different message. And maybe you need one of these three messages this morning. And when we go through this, maybe you can see which message you need. Some of you need Friday. Friday, the day Jesus died to pay the debt for our sinful past. Friday, the day that Jesus died to pay the debt of our sinful past. Mark, the 15th chapter. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha. And there they crucified him, dividing his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. See, the best thing that some of you could do today, the best thing that could happen to you, some of you today, is to believe what Jesus did on Friday and find out what Jesus did on Friday, the Friday that Jesus died. Now, if I'm okay and you're okay, then why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus die? Now, some of you baseball fans will remember the name of Oral Hershiser. He was a famous baseball pitcher and then he... And then he was, a, he was a coach, and then he was in sports announcer. He started, when he started playing, 
uh, Earl was not a Christian. He later became a very strong Christian. But he had a baseball buddy named Butch Weschenheimer who was a Christian. So one day after practice, Butch sort of witnessed to Oral about his faith. And Oral said, well, Butch, if there is a God and there's an eternity, then I'm okay because I'm a pretty good person. And Butch said something that day that rocked Oral's world. He said, Oral, good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. Hmm. And maybe you need to hear that today. This is why Friday was necessary. Before God could give us a future, He had to deal with our past. We were dead in our sins. What can a dead person do for themselves? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So God did something for us. Look at Romans 3. We are made right in God's sight when we trust Jesus to take away our sins. <clears throat> for God sent Jesus to take the punishment of our sins and to satisfy God's anger against us. We are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed his blood, sacrificing his life for us. Now, the cross didn't just happen, folks. The cross was Jesus' choice. And when Jesus died, a great victory was won. When Jesus died, he hung there and he shouted, It is finished. Not I am finished, but it is finished. Everything that needs to be done to make us right with God has been done. It is finished. So good people, good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. So on Good Friday, God paid our sin debt. So all you need to do today, if you've never received it, is to receive his free gift of grace. The good news of Easter. Sunday, Sunday, Jesus rose to guarantee our future. Jesus rose to guarantee our future. Look at Mark 16. When Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary and the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was a very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting, at the right, sitting on the right, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, don't, don't, don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. Now, on Friday, our past was dealt with. On Sunday, our future was established. Our hope tank is full because the tomb was empty. There was a preacher who went to Israel. Some of you have been to Israel. And he got up very early with his group to go down to the tomb where many scholars believed that Jesus was buried. 
And the guide said to them, this is the place where Jesus isn't. Isn't that good? This is the place where Jesus isn't. When Jesus walked out of the tomb alive, it was God's way of saying, the victory has been won. Peter says it this way, Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. One translation puts it this way, you know you have a future in God. Why? Because of Easter Sunday, the day that Jesus came out alive. So today, folks, we can live with confidence. We can live with confidence as we face the future. We can live with confidence even as we face standing before God. And we don't have to stand there a worried or afraid about that day. Because if you've accepted what happened, to <clears throat> you, what happened to Jesus on Friday, and if you've accepted what happened to Jesus on Sunday, you're good. You're good. Jesus is alive, and when we put our faith in Him, the Bible says everything that happened to Jesus is going to happen to us. Look what Peter says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of His great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. <clears throat> the future has already invaded the present. We are experiencing now what's coming, but it's not complete. It's not complete. We are living between Friday and Saturday. And that's why some of you need the message of Saturday. Saturday, Jesus knows what we're going through. On Friday, Jesus took care of our sinful past. <clears throat> On Sunday, he established our future. But on Saturday, he lets us know he understands what we're going through right now. <clears throat> now, Saturday is an awkward time between the promise believed and the promised received. We're living between the now and the not yet. And Jesus knows what it's like. What it's like on Friday when you have won a great victory, <clears throat> and then on Sunday when the great victory is going to be announced to the whole world. Jesus knows the loneliness, the pain, and the struggle of Saturday because he has been there. Now Saturday is where we are right now. We are between the cross and the tomb. As John Stott says, we are living between the now and the not yet. We have put our trust in Jesus. He's taken away our sins. He's established our future. It's guaranteed. We know it's coming. And we know we're going to rise from the dead and have the life that Jesus had. 
But right now, right now, it's Saturday. It is Saturday. It is Saturday and people still get Alzheimer's and heart attacks and strokes and diabetes. It's Saturday and marriages still break up. It's Saturday and a young, beautiful girl gets into a car that she thought was the Uber that she had called and it wasn't and she is murdered. It's Saturday. And Stephen Paddock sprays gunfire in a crowd of 22,000 <clears> and kills 58, wounding 500, and still no one knows why. It's Saturday. And Audrey Hale shoots her way into Covenant Christian School and kills three nine-year-olds and three adults. It's Saturday. And evil Putin invades Ukraine. 12 million Ukrainians have fled their homeland. <clears throat> An estimated 200,000 Russian soldiers have been killed. An estimated 600,000 Ukrainian soldiers have been killed. <clears throat> and all those beautiful ancient cities of Ukraine, some of them lay in ruins. <clears throat> it's Saturday. And parents still bury their children. It's Saturday. And we shed a lot of tears. It's Saturday. And the Bible says it's okay to groan about Saturday. Paul says, And even we Christians, although we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, also groan to be released from pain and suffering. We too wait anxiously for the day when God will give us our full rights as His children, including new bodies He has promised. <clears throat> On Saturday, we have to manifest our faith and let the hope that comes from Friday and Easter Sunday interpret Saturday. And it's Saturday, and we groan. And we hurt and we grieve. But we look at Easter Sunday <clears throat> to reinterpret Saturday. Easter means that evil does not have the last word. Amen. Easter means that we're going to outlive our problems. Amen. Easter means that everything that Saturday does to us, and it's a hard day. Saturday is a hard day. But it can still be a good day. Let me tell you how practical it is. Let me tell you just how practical this works out. I was scheduled to preach in Greenville, North Carolina. There is a Greenville, North Carolina. The pastor told me that I would be staying with a young couple who would meet me at the plane and take me to supper before church. So in the tiny Greenville airport, I was met by Andrew and Kathy and their little son, Matthew. Now I noticed that Matthew's arm was taped to his body in such a way that he could not move it. His little tangled eyes were set in a head that was too big for his little body. He walked with a terrible limp. He could hardly breathe. He could not talk in sentences. 
But he had the biggest, brightest smile that just melted my heart. And going from the airport to the restaurant, he looked over at me and he said, Mr. <clears throat> what you name? What you name? Matthew, I have grandchildren your age and they call me Poppy. Poppy, I call you Poppy. I call you Poppy. At the restaurant, I noticed Matthew could not eat solid food. His mother had brought period food and a lot of times he would get choked on it so bad and lose his breath. And it was a real struggle for him to eat and breathe at the same time. But during supper, he would look over to me and smile and say, Poppy, I call you Poppy. After church that night, his bedtime ritual began. He had to take six or seven medicines. And he would say so pitifully, but I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. But he took them all very bravely. And he would get so strangled on taking them. Well, it was off to bed if his new friend Poppy would carry him to bed. I carried him to bed, gave him hugs and kisses. Then I watched Kathy as she hooked him up to his breathing machine. Back in the living room, I asked Kathy and Matthew, I said, or Matthew and Andrew, I said, tell me about Matthew. And they told me a very sad, sad story. Andrew said, well, Matthew is not ours. He is a foster child. We are both RNs, and we work in a facility where children who have to live on ventilators are placed. Matthew was our patient. He was a crack baby. His mom and dad are both in prison. And he has lived on a ventilator all of his life, except for a few months ago, he was able to get off of it. And uh, he's never been able to use his arm because it is never knit together. He's had four surgeries on his arm. And we'll find out this week if the fourth one was successful. All the meds that you saw him take are to help him breathe and to help his seizures. He's four years old. He weighs less than 30 pounds. And Kathy said, as we cared for him, we just fell in love with him. And when he came off of the ventilator, we asked family services if we could bring him home as a foster child. And they agreed. And we have applied for adoption. And they did get adoption. That week, his seizures returned. His meds was increased. And at night, he would cough so hard that I would run in his room to see if he was going to breathe or not. And it was so, so painful. During the day, sometimes, if I was there, he'd knock on my door. He'd say, Poppy, come out. Come out, play with me. Play ball with me. Well, he would hold the bat in his good arm. <laughs> And he could hit the ball. And then around the imaginary basis, he would limp. He would limp. And he always hit a home run. <laughs> that week, Matthew and I became fast friends. Some days I would pick him up from the daycare if Kathy and Matthew could not do it. Or Andrew could not do it. Well, the day he went to the doctor to find out about his arm... He came home. He was so excited. He came to my room, knocked on the door. Poppy, come out. Poppy, come out. Come out. Come out. 
look, look, look. I can move my fingers. Look, look, look. First time in his life he had moved fingers on his right hand. Now, as the week went by, <laughs> Matthew gradually put his little hands around my heart. And in all honesty, I will confess to you, I got angry at God. I, I, I got angry. I, I fussed at him. God, this is not fair. It's just not right. Why in the world was he allowed to come into the world like this? It's not his fault. He's done nothing wrong. He doesn't deserve all this physical pain and agony that he's going through. Why was he born like this? And then it just seemed as the Lord tapped me real hard on my shoulder and said, Now, L.D., you just settle down. This isn't the entire story. There will come a day when Matthew will have a new body. There will be a day when I'll make this right. One day he'll hit a home run and he will not limp around the bases. One day he'll not have seizures. One day he'll be able to breathe. One day he'll be able to talk in sentences. There's coming a day that Matthew will be completely healed. You just settle down. Matthew is in good hands. You just let me be God. See, folks, the resurrection is what gets us through Saturday. Only the resurrection promises not only new minds and new hearts, but a new body. And one day, God will give Matthew his full rights as a Child of God, in cleaning, including a new body he has prepared for him. And we will find out that the worst that Saturday could do to us only will enhance our eternal joy. One day, this life will be turned inside out. And we'll know beyond words, beyond words, what the terrible things that Saturdays of this world have done to us. And the joy and the glory will be much greater than every scar that Saturday left on us. Our hope is real, but it's not fully realized yet. So we look back at Good Friday. And on Saturday, we look ahead. And on Sunday, we hold on to the resurrection. Pray with me. Father, thank you for Friday when Jesus paid off the debt of our sinful past. Thank you for Sunday when he rose from the dead to guarantee our future. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that even on Saturday, you know what we're going through. And you are here with us. And you are committed to getting us home safe. So thank you for the hope that Friday and Saturday give us for the, for the trials of Sunday. And we pray to you in the name of our living Lord. And all God's people said, Amen.
I don't know which day that you need today. Maybe you need Friday. You need to believe what Jesus Christ did on Friday. That he died for your sin debt. And you can accept him this morning by grace and have that debt removed. Maybe you need Sunday. Knowing that Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus, we get everything that God did to Jesus in heaven, we get. But maybe you need Saturday. Maybe you're in a place, a bad place on Saturday. I hope that you will let Friday and Sunday reinterpret your Saturday and give you hope. I'll be down front if you want to make a decision for Jesus this morning. Come to me and we'll help you to make it. Let's stand and sing.